Hey, this is Drew Blackston, founder of Anchor Movement. Together with my wife, Valerie, we want to invite you to join us on our podcast as we discover more of God together. We founded Anchor Movement on Hebrews 619, which says we have this hope as an anchor for our soul, firm and secure. We hope this message drops an anchor into your soul and propels you towards the destiny that God has for you. If our message inspires you, we encourage you to rate and share with your friends and family. Thank you for tuning in to today's Anchor Movement Podcast. Enjoy the message. Hey, thank you so much for tuning in the Anchor Movement Podcast. My name is Drew Blackston, and today we are diving into our last Christmas podcast in this Christmas series. I cannot believe that Christmas is right around the corner. And and in our last two podcasts, we talked about the reasons why Jesus was born. He was born to be worshiped and he was born to die. And both of those are available anywhere you listen to podcasts. And hey, if you're on iTunes uh, listening to our podcast, we'd really appreciate if you'd give us a rating. Uh, you can just go to our homepage and give us a rate there on iTunes. But we've been doing podcasts based on our favorite Christmas songs. And, and this week, uh, the song that we chose was White Christmas. And, and when I think of White Christmas, I know many different artists have sung that song. But when I think of White Christmas, I always think of Bing Crosby. You know, I always think of uh, Holiday Inn, the movie that that he um, originally sang that song in. And, and just... That, that smooth, silky voice on the airwaves just kind of gets you in the mood for Christmas. I mean, think about some of the lyrics. He says, I'm dreaming of a white Christmas, just like the ones I used to know, where the treetops glisten and the children listen to hear the reindeer in the, in the snow. And isn't everyone dreaming of a white Christmas? Now, this song was written around the time of World War II, and it became popular because soldiers were listening to this on the airwaves and families, and they were dreaming of being at home. You know, they were all off to battle, whether that was in Europe or in Asia, and they'd hear this song, and they'd think, oh, I, I'm dreaming of this white Christmas with my family. And and, and I know down here in Florida, there's no way we're going to have a white Christmas. But that, but that doesn't stop us from decorating or dreaming. Uh, my daughter, Brooklyn, when we were hanging lights uh, for Christmas this year, she even said, Daddy, it's okay. Um, we can still have Christmas even if it doesn't snow. And I, and I looked at her and I said, yeah, we can have Christmas. And, and I said, I don't think it's ever really going to snow here. So we're just going to have to get used to not having uh, white Christmases. I think the only white uh, in our Christmas uh, is going to be coffee creamer or whatever uh, you're eating for dessert. But, you know, in our first podcast series, um, we talked about the first reason why Jesus was born. And, and he was first born to be worshipped, the spiritual God being manifested in a physical body so we could see, feel, touch him, but also so that he could experience what we experience. He could feel what we feel. Jesus felt and experienced what we feel and felt. The emotions and feelings that he created at the beginning of the world could be felt in the physical heart of the physical God. And as we come to recognize the physical God as Jesus, and we see that Jesus carried the weight of sin and the world for us, not in response. Now, in response, we can worship this physical King of Kings. And Lord of Lords. And in our last podcast, we saw Jesus as the baby that was born to die. And it was kind of a, a morbid thing to say, but really at Christmas time, um, the manger points directly to the cross. The wood, wooden trough that Jesus was laid in that we call the manger 
uh, points directly to the wooden cross that he would hang on. Um, the baby, the baby Jesus, was born at a specific point in history for a specific purpose so we could spend eternity with him. But, but not only was baby Jesus born to fulfill a specific purpose, but you were also born for a specific purpose and a specific destiny. Your, your life your life is meant to affect eternity in a big way, no matter where you are right now. Age doesn't define your destiny. Skin color doesn't make you any less important. The only thing that defines your destiny is who are you willing to die for. And that is identified in a baby that was born in a manger 2,000 years ago, a baby that was born to die. And in this podcast... I want to talk about the third reason why Jesus was born. Now, keep in mind, there are many, many reasons why Jesus was born. He was born to be our healer. He was born to show us how to walk this earth. But in in this podcast series, it's really just kind of, I really want to hit some highlights. And then these are are important to me, and maybe next year we'll get into some other reasons why. Uh, But today I want to talk about the third reason why Jesus was born, and that was born to wash us white as snow right? So I'm dreaming of a white Christmas. Jesus was born so that we could be washed white as snow. Kind of why I started off this talk with Bing Crosby and White Christmas. Uh, You know, again, I I can't sing and I certainly don't hold even the smallest match uh, to the great Bing Crosby. But every year around mid-November, I start to hear myself singing this song. It starts with a low hum, and then by Thanksgiving, it's a whistle, and then right after turkey is cleaned off the table and the pumpkin pie is is passed around, I mean, Bing Crosby is in full swing through the speakers of, of my house. And this time of year, just as that effect on us, I mean, this time of year just has that kind of effect on us, right? I mean, Christmas is, a, is different from any other holiday we celebrate. Uh, Christmas is like a wave out in the ocean. You know, we're in Florida. So it, it starts with a small, gently, it starts small. It's gently working its way toward the shore. And as you admire the water, you can see the wave of Christmas coming and, and you start to anticipate the season. And the closer and closer the wave gets to shore, the bigger and bigger the break in the wave becomes. And, and, and finally, the wave is pounding the shore with such force that it knocks you down or forces you to change directions. And, and that's, that's a lot like Christmas. I mean, this season is so massive and, and so special. And, and, and people say magical, and, and I hesitate to say that on a, on a Christian podcast, but it's so uh, massive that even the scroogiest and grinchiest of people recognize and feel the force of Christmas in good times and bad times. Christmas moves people to, to want to be greater than themselves. Uh, we remember the people we've lost, and we look forward to the festivities of the ones who are still here. And uh, Christmas is like a wave, and, and even under the most grueling and harshest conditions, uh, brings a sense of joy and peace, all because of baby being born in a manger. And, and you know, I can't think of a more grueling and harsh condition uh, than that of war. You know, I've never served in the military, nor have I been in combat zone, but but from reading and, and documentaries and conversations with people who actually have been there, I can only imagine the conditions 
and soldier, uh, the conditions that soldiers are, are put through. And, and let me just kind of uh, a side note here. I just want to thank all the military families, all the uh, uh, that are that have the husbands and wives and sons and daughters that are serving and for your support for them. And I, and I think I want to just say thank you to the military men and women out there who are serving us, especially missing holidays with their families so that we could be protected. We pray for you. Uh, we declare Psalms 91 is on you, that you are protected, and we thank you for what you do. But, you know, uh, every war uh, is brutal, but one of the most brutal wars uh, was World World War One, dubbed as the Great War. Uh, World War One lasted from uh, July nineteen fourteen to November nineteen eighteen, and this was the first of the uh, really of trench warfare, where artillery shells, uh, machine guns were used, you know, for the first time in battle. And to put the numbers of the amount of soldiers lost during this this terrible war, eight million five hundred and ninety eight thousand soldiers combined between the central and allied powers died during World War One. The United States alone lost 116,516 soldiers, which, which sounds small compared to the 8 million number. But keep in mind, the United States was only engaged in the war for one year. During the first year of, of war, 1914, there are stories told of a silent night truce. And, and British and German forces on Christmas Eve stopped shooting each other and, and held up signs for a momentary truce between the sides. And historians can't uh, necessarily agree on how it started or, or how it spread, but one trench after another put their guns down and walked across enemy lines to celebrate Christmas with soldiers that they were just firing at the day before. And over the course of the, tru- uh, the truce, troops ex- exchanged gifts like cigarettes and food, buttons and hats, and they, sang, they also sang Christmas carols and reminisced about Christmas back home. There's even a story about a British soldier getting a haircut from his German barber. Um, but unfortunately, the Christmas truce ended and the war began again and would rage on for another three years. But the spirit of Christmas... The wave of love and peace reminds us that that even in a world war, even in a world that is at war, uh, soldiers are there firing each other, that the spirit of Christmas can stop that war. That a baby born in a manger over 2,000 years ago can have nations put their guns down. White Christmas or not, Jesus, the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger, is the true reason for the season. And even the pounding of artillery shells and the sounds of machine gun fire can't stop Christmas. But why are we all dreaming of a white Christmas? Is it, is it, is it the Bing Crosby song that is so popular on the airwaves, or is it the thought of Christmas without, without snow just shouldn't be? Um, you know, we've been... If you look uh, at Luke chapter 2 about Jesus being born in a manger, there, there actually wasn't even snow in that original story. I mean, most historians don't even think Jesus was born on December 25th. Um, the climate of Israel was a lot like Southern California, so there probably wasn't um, snow at that first Christmas. And, and like I said before, we live in Tampa, Florida, and it's been 42 years since it last snowed. So the chances of a white Christmas for us are, are slim to none. And 
you know, I can see how the mind of children work through this and wonder why. Just like the story I told of my daughter at the beginning, you know, she says it's okay. We can still have Christmas even if it doesn't so even if it doesn't snow. And you know, even at three, she recognizes that how popular culture presents Christmas doesn't define necessarily what Christmas is is all about. You know, in our last two podcasts, we've explored why Jesus was born, born to worship, and born to die, really involved both Jesus and us as to why he was born. You know, we both played a part in that. When Jesus was born to be worshiped, we were the ones to worship Jesus. In born to die, he was born to die, but we were the ones that had to accept his death, accept him as Lord and Savior. Now, again, he did all the work. It was a free gift to us. But in this last Christmas podcast, I want to point out something that only Jesus can do, and and that is born to wash us white as snow. Christmas was meant to be white, but it's not the perception that falls, or the precipitation, I'm sorry, that falls from the sky, but it's the cleansing and washing us clean from sin that this world uh, has so entangled us in. In the book of Isaiah, we get a picture of what it looks like to be washed as white as snow. Chapter 1, verses 17 through 18 say this, Wash yourselves and be clean. Get your sins out of my sight. Give up your evil ways. Learn to do good. Seek justice. Help the oppressed. Defend the cause of orphans. Fight for the right of widows. Come now, let's settle this, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, I will make them as white as snow. They are red like, though they are red like cinnamon, I will make them white as wool. In these two scriptures, God is speaking to the children of Israel through the prophet Isaiah. And in verse 17, he's telling them to wash themselves clean. And basically, he's telling them to clean up their act. But what I love about this verse, it's as if God pivots in verse 18. He tells the children of Israel that they need to clean themselves up, start doing the right things, looking after orphans and widows, being the people that he created them to be. But in verse 18, he says, come now, let's settle this. It's like God's looking at the children and and he's given the command he knows that they won't be able to fulfill what he's saying. They're so entrenched in their sins that for them to get out on their own would be impossible. So God is basically saying, okay, okay, come here, come here. Let's take care of this together. I told you to get clean. Come on, let me give you a bath. Come here, let's do this together. And, and, you know, as I mentioned earlier, I have a little daughter who's three. And, and as her parents, Valor, uh, as, as, and as parents, Valerie and I are at the point where we have to discipline uh, our oldest daughter. Uh, it's not something that, that is fun, but it is needed. And some of our biggest discussions, uh, I guess if you use that word, come when we are trying to get our daughter to pick up or clean up anything. Whether that's her toys or clothes or food or whatever it may be, there's this block in her mind when it comes to putting stuff away. I remember my wife, when she first started to teach Brooklyn how to put away her toys, you know, oftentimes she would go clean up her, uh, she'd say, go clean up your room or pick up your toys before dinner. And, you know, my daughter would look at us with this perplexed look on her face, like, how do you actually get the toys back in the box? Like, I know how to get them out, but, but how do you get them into the box? And Valerie would repeat herself, and she'd say something like, you can't have any ice cream unless you pick up your toys. You know, so at this point, my daughter would be so perplexed that actually tears would start to form in her eyes. You know, she wanted that ice cream, and she wanted to clean up, but she just didn't know how to do it yet. And that's a lot of places where, where, where we are. You know, and, and finally, Valerie would say, okay, I'll help you clean up, and then we can have some ice cream. How about that? 
You know, and when those words left my wife's mouth, our little girl started grabbing toys by the handful and just bringing them to my wife. She wouldn't necessarily bring them to the toy box, but she would bring them to her mom who knew where the toy box was located. Valerie knew how to clean up. She knew how to put the toys in the box. Brooklyn didn't, so she just brought her toys to Valerie. And after they cleaned up together, Valerie would always compliment my daughter for a job well done. And this verse in Isaiah is God helping us clean up our mess. We are the children who are just looking at God perplexed and wondering, how can we clean up our mess? God then says, make sure you clean up your mess or you can't live a life of purpose or destiny or even live in heaven after you die. The more God speaks to, to us the more we realize that we can't clean up this mess and the more distraught and downcast we become. You know, it's a losing battle. There's no way we can clean up or fix what we've done. But then God, who is the ultimate good, good father, says something that brings life back into our hearts. He says, come, let's do this together. I know your sins and mistakes, but I will wash them white as snow. So God begins the steps of washing us white as snow. He sends Jesus, his only son, to start the process by being born a baby in a manger. And Isaiah 53 describes what the little baby in the manger did for you and me. It says, it says, yet in our weaknesses he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins. But he was pierced for our rebellion. He was crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. All of us, like sheep, have strayed away. We have left God's path to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. He was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. All of us, each and every one of us, like sheep, have strayed away. Remember the verse before in Isaiah said, Come, wash yourself clean. And now... It's pointing out that we are the ones who've strayed away. Jesus came as a baby and walked this planet so that we could be washed white as snow. In order for him to do that, he had to carry our burden of sin and become the sacrifice that was required to bring us into right relationship with God. Now, let me be clear about something. Nothing, absolutely nothing you can do can wash away the filth and sin of your life. Living a good life or making better choices doesn't wash away the mistakes and sin of the past. You might be able to hide your sins or put them in a closet somewhere or forget about them, but it's ultimately Jesus that can take your sins and remove them as far as the east is from the west. Now let's read what the second half of Isaiah 1 says. Come now, let's settle this, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, I will make them as white as snow. They are, though they are red like crimson, though they are red like crimson. I got football on the brain. I will make them as white as wool. Who, who's the one making our sins as white as snow? Who's who's the one turning our crimson blood-stained clothes into snow-white garments? It's Jesus, and only Jesus can completely wash you and me white as snow. Not just on the outside. But, but on the inside out, Hebrews 9.14 puts it like this. Under the old system, like the Old Testament, the blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of heifers could cleanse people's bodies from ceremonial impurity. Just think how much more the blood of Christ will purify our consciousnesses from sinful deeds so that we can worship the living God 
For by the power of the eternal spirit, Christ offered himself to God as a perfect sacrifice for our sins. See, the blood of Jesus washes us from the inside out. The old system, our works, can only ceremonial ceremonially cleanse us on the outside. But the blood of Jesus washes us clean from the outside in. He washes away all our mistakes, our sins, those thoughts you thought no one would ever know, the hidden things that were too dirty to tell others, everything he washes white as snow. But you play a part in this Christmas story. In order for Jesus to do this washing, you've got to allow him to do it. Now listen, now now listening to me right now are two different people who need to be washed clean of their sins. Either one, you've never accepted or made Jesus the Lord of your life, and you can feel God tugging on your heart right now as you listen to this to make that decision. You want to be washed white as snow, but in order to do that, you've got to make Jesus the Lord of your life. Or number two, you've made a decision for Jesus, and and you believe He is the Son of God, but you won't allow Him to wash you clean from your past mistakes. You're still holding on to the shame and regrets from the past, but today is your day to take a bath in the cleansing of Jesus. He wants to wipe away all your shame, all your grief, everything you're holding on to. The cross doesn't only represent eternal life, but it represents life in abundance now. And I want to pray for both of you. First, if you're making that decision to follow Jesus 100%, and then second, for those of you who need to allow Jesus to wash you white as snow. So for, for those of you who want to accept Jesus, let's pray this together. Dear God, thank you for sending your son Jesus. Thank you for sending him to the cross for me. I accept him right now as my Lord and Savior. Jesus, come into my heart. Live inside of me. Take my life and do something with it. And for those of you who need to let go of your past, who need to let Jesus cleanse them, I want to pray this over you. Father God, we come to you in the name of Jesus. We thank you for the cleansing sacrifice of the cross. We thank you for salvation and being eternally uh, driven to live with you. But Father, more importantly, here on earth right now, while we're in our momentary body, we ask that you would wash us clean. Father God, we ask that you would help us to let go of past mistakes, past sins, shame, and regret. Wash us from the inside out. Help us to realize that we are the righteousness of God in Christ. Help us to realize that we are your son or daughter, that you love us no matter what, and you are wanting. You said, come now, let's settle this. Wash us white as snow. So we love you. We thank you for who you are. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Thank you so much for listening today. I hope you have a very, very Merry Christmas and uh, open lots of presents and uh, eat lots of food. God bless.